Amen. Good evening. Before we get started, I just wanted to let you know, Dan and Jackie are with their family. They arrive safely. They send their love, their well wishes, and their prayers. And they thank you for your prayers for traveling mercies. I'm going to start tonight. It's going to be a little bit different than Pastor Dan, but that's okay because I am different than Pastor Dan. For those of you who have a Bible in your hand, open it up to Psalm 100, please. Psalm 100, starting in verse 1. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. Let me ask you a question. What are you thankful for? Tomorrow, we celebrate Thanksgiving Day, a day of remembrance of all God has blessed us with. Recently, Dawn and I went shopping at one of the local hardware stores, and I noticed that Thanksgiving has all been but pushed aside. Christmas, not because of Christ or God or anything biblical, but rather because of its great commercial power is already being pushed in the stores. Noticeably absent are the paper pilgrims that used to decorate the stores not too many years ago. Now as soon as the big push to buy costumes and candy is over, out comes the commercialization of, Christ, of Christmas. We're bombarded with Santa Claus, snowmen, and red-nosed reindeer. Thanksgiving is more and more squeezed between holiday and Christmas, uh, Halloween and Christmas, rather, where it loses its identity and its purpose. Nowadays, the entire season, including Halloween and Christmas, is referred to as the holiday season. Your Christmas tree is now a holiday tree. And your kids don't take Christmas break, they take holiday break. Christ has been removed. Our nation has turned its back on God. We Christians are allowing the sacredness of the Thanksgiving season to be sacrificed on the altar of profit, where it has been turned into a folksy, warm, fuzzy, secular holiday. It really is a shame our nation, and even some churches, has turned its back on God. And instead, it treats this day 
as one to simply eat, drink, and be merry, and watch football. As a whole, this nation does not give Jesus any glory, or worship, or attention, or thanksgiving. Instead, their God is the worship of food, drink, friends, and let's not forget Black Friday sales. But as God's people, it is fitting that we focus our thoughts, not only now, but always, upon the goodness of God and offer our thanksgiving to him for who he is. We should be sharing the blessings that are God with those around us, whether they believe him or not. Psalm 95, verse 2 says, Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. Thanksgiving Day should be a day of gratitude for all that God has done for us and in us. After all, he sent his only begotten son to die on the cross, bearing all our sin, that when God looks at us, he says, sees his righteousness. It is a blessing that we have certain days set apart each year to give thanks to God for all we have and all he has blessed us with. But more importantly, we should set time aside each day to praise him and give thanks for all the blessings he pours out upon us. Psalm 26, 7, that I may publish with the voice of thanksgiving and tell of all thy wondrous works. Tonight, we're going to be looking at Psalm 103. This is one of 73 psalms attributed to David. And in it, he is reminding himself to bless the Lord, and he gives the reasons why. If you ever have a problem praising the Lord, if you ever have trouble bringing yourself to praise the Lord, allow me to encourage you to read this psalm in particular. It tells how God has blessed you and blessed me. Psalm 103, verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Note here, David is talking to himself. Is there anybody else in here that does that besides me? Thank you. You're not going to leave me up here by myself. Outstanding. The nice thing about that is it's biblical, so we can go ahead and do that. It says so right there. But more importantly, David is reminding himself to bless the Lord. There are many, many times I find I have to remind myself to bless the Lord. I have to put the brakes on and say, wait a minute. I should be thanking the Lord for this. Good, bad, ugly, indifferent, 
I should be thanking the Lord for this. You, most of you know my testimony. I'm not going to bore you with it tonight. But I will simply share this part of it. If any piece of it had changed, I would not be who I am, where I am, doing what I'm doing today. Neither would you. So we sometimes need to remind ourselves to bless the Lord for his mercy and grace and love and most importantly, his forgiveness. We sometimes need to remember all of his blessings, as I said, especially when times get difficult. It is very refreshing to stop and reflect on Jesus Christ, his free gift of salvation, and give thanks for that. If you have nothing else to give thanks for, that should be sufficient. Verse 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. David had so much to be thankful for. God had raised him up from a shepherd boy to a king. He was a man after God's own heart. In short, in the vernacular of today, he had it all. Yet he was still a man. He was sinful and he was wretched. No different than you, no different than me. But through it all, he always remembered his God. And he humbled himself. He asked and received forgiveness. And he gave thanks. This gives us an example of how much God loves all of us that call him Father. Verse 3, who forgiveth some of thine iniquity. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. All thine iniquities. Who healeth all thy diseases. That word iniquities is an old English word that means sin, wickedness, and evil. This verse speaks of physical healing. But I believe it speaks to another healing as well. I'm referring to a spiritual healing. Remember the context. David is speaking to himself. He's speaking to his soul. He's telling himself and reminding himself, God heals all diseases, including those of the soul. Now, you may stand there, sit there, and say, Now, wait a minute, Doug. Does the soul have diseases? Indeed, it does. And I'll list a few for you. See if you recognize any of them fear, doubt, depression, 
anger, lust, hatred, jealousy, pride, greed, and the list can go on and on and on. Anybody recognize any of those? They're all diseases of the soul. The problem with it is they all boil down to three. 1 John 2.16, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. The unholy trinity of self, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. These three are the very foundation upon which all other sin is built and sustained. These three and these three alone encapsulate every other sin you can think of. So soul diseases can all be traced back to our fallen nature and the effects of sin in the Garden of Eden. But God. My favorite two words in all of Scripture. But God. God can give permanent healing to the body as well as to the soul. Remember the paralytic in Matthew 9. How friends of the paralytic brought him to Jesus to heal him. And instead, what did Jesus do? He forgave him his sins. And remember how that statement, thy sins be forgiven thee, how that very statement upset the scribes that were there. This man blasphemes. And they were saying that in their heart. They weren't saying that out loud. You go through that account. They were thinking that to themselves. And Jesus heard it. He can hear every single thought that goes through all our minds which is a scary thought considering some of the thoughts go through my mind sometimes. Talk about asking for forgiveness. But remember also how he challenged them and then turned to the paralytic and said, Arise, take up your bed, and go unto thine house. And of course, remember how surprised they were when the paralytic did just exactly that. Jesus indeed heals diseases of sin and suffering. The paralytic is a perfect example. But I'll bring it closer to home. Every single one of you are a perfect example. I am a perfect example. A flawed example, yes, but a perfect example. 
Jesus Christ heals sins and diseases. We have examples from this very pulpit, our senior pastor. He's got two walking examples, his daughter and his granddaughter, cancer survivors. Each of us, I'm sure, has somebody in their family or their closest circle that can relate to that very same thing. Verse 4, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. One of the names of the devil is the accuser of the brethren. We find this in Revelation 12.10. You don't have to turn there. In Job, we see Satan going before God to accuse Job. Unfortunately, he does the same thing today against each and every one of us. Every born-again Bible-believing Christian, man, woman, boy, and girl, find themselves in his crosshairs. And he will say, did you see what he just did? Did you hear what she said? How in the world can they say they really love you, God, if they're talking and acting that way? Now remember, God knows all. He's omniscient. He knows all our shortcomings, all our failures. He knows them better than we do. So Satan does not have to lie about us when he stands before God to accuse us. There are enough faults in all our lives. All Satan has to do is point out the obvious. The Bible calls him the adversary, the enemy, the accuser of the brethren, as I said. In 1 Peter 5, verse 8, it says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. He's got his eyes on all of us. But we have an advocate. We have one who goes before the Father on our behalf. We have Jesus Christ, the righteous, the sinless one. When Satan accuses, Jesus raises his nail-pierced hand and says, wait a minute. I don't see the stain of sin on him. I don't see the stain of sin on her. They are mine. I have redeemed them. Their sins, though they be like scarlet, have been washed as white as snow. They are justified 
They're sanctified. And one day, they will be glorified with me in heaven. Satan, you don't have a case. Jesus has forgiven us our sins. He sees all true believers as people made whole by the blood of the Lamb, the word of his testimony, and our relationship with Jesus. We have had all our sin and iniquities wiped away. As I said, when God looks on us, all he sees is his righteousness. There's not a spot, there's not a blemish. They've been, been cast as far as the east is from the west. Any of you who aren't real familiar with this, I'm going to give you a little geography lesson real quick. If you go south, at some point you're going to be going north. But if you go east, you're always going east. If you go west, you're always going west. They don't meet. They go in opposite directions. And that is how far our sin has been cast from us. Because he forgives our sins, because he gives us a relationship, and because he heals our soul's diseases, we can see life as meaningful. This verse, verse 4, could also be rendered, he keeps your life from going to waste. I kind of like that. I love the King James, don't misunderstand me, but I kind of like that. He keeps your life from going to waste. How many people waste the years of their lives on things that in the long run really don't count? They spend their days in pursuit of temporal passing things and wake up one day empty, tired, and feeling there is no use in going on. People end up feeling betrayed because the things they worked so hard to obtain failed to bring them the satisfaction they longed for. Anybody can relate to that? I can. It reminds me of the, the kid in the candy store syndrome. Mommy and Junior wandering through the store. Mommy, 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 I really want this thing. Okay, Junior, I'll get you this thing. A week later, Junior, why aren't you playing with that thing? I lost interest in it. It doesn't bring me the joy I thought it would. Now grow up. We're chasing dreams that we think will bring us happiness. Be it the job, be it a different man or woman in our life, be it the lottery, be it Black Friday sales. It's no different. It's just grown up. 
the world does not offer any real substantial hope for meaningful living. Money, material, power, position, things, it just won't do the job. Yet those in the world chased after these things, believing they will find forever happiness. There's only one thing that's going to bring you forever happiness, guys. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ gives us purpose for living. Jesus Christ gives us meaning. He keeps our lives from going to waste. He redeems those lives that have gone to waste. And mine was one of them. Because he offers us the only true happiness there is, and that, as I said, is eternal life in him. With Jesus, we live our lives with eternal purpose. Our days are not in vain. They have eternal significance. Recently, we as a nation went through all I'm going to call it as, as a phase. Black Lives Matter. Bear with me, I'm not getting political on you. I agree, black lives matter. But there's a caveat. I have a t-shirt, as a matter of fact, I have it on tonight. And on the back of that t-shirt is inscribed, all lives matter because Jesus Christ died for all. So yes, black lives matter. So do all lives. Our lives matter. This is one thing David is praising God for because he realized his life mattered. Not in, not in and of himself did his life matter, but for God's purposes, his life mattered. Our lives mattered. All lives matter. And this is something else we should be praising and thanking God for. All lives matter. Philippians 4, 6. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with what? Thanksgiving. Let your requests be known, be made known unto God. Jesus deserves our praises and our thanksgiving every minute of every day, not just once or twice a year on a holiday. Verse 5 Who satisfieth thy mouth with good things? so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. 
Jesus gives us satisfaction regardless of how old we are or how young we are. If we've accepted Jesus' offer of salvation, he gives us satisfaction. We just want, and we just need to accept it. And we can look back on our life and not regret it if Christ is our Savior. I don't regret my life because Christ is my Savior. If Christ was not my Savior, I guarantee you I would re be regretting every single minute of my life. And I would be doing my best to make somebody else, else's life miserable too. But because Jesus is my life, is my Lord and Savior, because he is our Lord and Savior, our lives matter, and he gives us satisfaction, and we can be satisfied with our lives. Colossians 4.2. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. Is there a theme going on here? It has been said, and I think it's true, with Christ, this is the worst things we'll get. Without Christ, this is the best things you're going to get. Outside those doors, in the real world, it's not going to get any better. And without Christ, I don't know how they're surviving. I really don't. Isaiah 40, verse 31. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Are you waiting upon the Lord? If you are, I have a challenge for you. Personalize this. I shall renew my strength. I shall mount up on wings as eagles. I shall run and not grow weary. I shall walk and not faint. Because Jesus is my Savior. See, it's not me that's doing it. Yes, I personalize this. But I'm doing it through Christ. He gives me the strength. Are you living a life in relationship with God? If so, you cannot help but praise Him and be thankful. For He has poured out blessings upon blessings into you and your life. 2 Corinthians 4.15 from the New King James. For all things are for your sakes, that grace, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. 
allow me to offer you six practical suggestions to consider as you praise God. Warm up your pens. Number one, be aware. Don't forget his many benefits and his many blessings. Be aware of them. They're all around you. Number two, be honest. Don't be a phony. God already knows your heart, so don't put on an act. The only one you're fooling is yourself. Number three, be vocal. Tell someone of his blessings. Sing his praises. Share your testimony. Share the gospel. Number four, be natural. Praise God in a way that is natural for you. If, you're, if it's natural for you to raise your hands in praise, raise your hands in praise. Who cares what the rest of the building thinks? If you're comfortable kneeling before him in humility, kneel before him in humility. In a recent church service, I saw someone actually sit on the floor and prostrate themselves as they worshiped. There's nothing wrong with that. They're being natural and they're being honest. Second Chronicles 7.14, Second Chronicles 7.14, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. This was a prayer that we lifted up recently. If we humble ourselves, be honest, be natural. Number five, be grateful. There is nothing more encouraging to praise than gratitude. And there is nothing that drives praise more than gratitude. In all things, have a thankful heart. And number six, be consistent. Make it a part of your everyday experience to praise him and give him thanks. Make it your entire daily experience. If you are in a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, if he is your Lord and Savior, this should be a constant. I will caution you, don't close your eyes to pray while you're driving. 
but it should still be a constant. Do you praise him with your whole life? I don't yet, but I'm working on it. 2 Corinthians 9.11 Being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causeth, causeth through us thanksgiving to God. One word of caution. Let's not fall into the same trap and the same rut that the Israelites fell into. Saying one thing and doing something else. I ad admit, I still do that sometimes. What's that? You want me to pray for you? Yeah, not a problem. I'll pray for you. What was the score of that game? Don't do that. Isaiah 29, verse 13. Wherefore the Lord said, For as much as this people draw near me with their mouth, and with their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. Keep your heart near him. Keep your eyes on him. Honor him with your lips. Honor him with your heart. Honor him with your life. Please, don't do one thing or say one thing and do something else. And I'm pointing a finger at you, and I've got three pointing right back at me. So I'm admonishing myself just as much. Instead, we should follow David's, David's example. He said, I will praise him with all that is within me. This should be our attitude as well. This means praise him with our attitudes, our actions, our families, our finances, our words, our work. It means praising him in our relation to, to him with our voice, our vocation, our church, our children, our hobbies, our habits. You get the idea? Our everything. We will praise him not only in word, but in deed. We will praise him with everything that is within me. Let me close by asking the following. Are you living a meaningful life? A satisfied life? A thankful life? When was the last time you stopped to truly consider all God's blessings and benefits? Do you do that on a daily basis? A weekly basis? A monthly basis? 
an annual basis? Do you truly enjoy his blessings and benefits? Does your soul have diseases that need to be healed? Have you ever experienced God's love and forgiveness? Are you living with an eternal purpose? Do you desire to? I look before me and I see folks who I believe are born-again Bible-believing Christians, but I don't know. So I'm going to put this out there. Romans 10.9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. In your heart of hearts, if Jesus is not your Lord and Savior, I would encourage you to ask him tonight. Ask him right now. You can pray something like this. Jesus, I confess to you, I am a sinner in need of your grace, your mercy, and your forgiveness. Your grace is giving me what I don't deserve, which is eternity with you. And your mercy is not giving me what I do deserve, which is eternal separation from you because of my rebellious sin nature. I ask you to come into my heart to cleanse me of all my sin, to wash me with your redeeming blood, to be the Lord of my life. My King and my Savior, from this moment forward, I turn from my wicked ways and choose to follow you the rest of my days. Thank you, Lord, for this greatest of blessings. In Jesus' name, amen. So let me just ask you two final questions and I'm, I will move along. What are you thankful for? More importantly, who are you thankful for? I am so thankful for Christ and the family that he has grafted all true believers into, and that's his family. Psalm 150. Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the psaltery and harp. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and organs. Praise him upon the loud cymbals. Praise him upon the high-sounding cymbals. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord.
Family, tomorrow we celebrate Thanksgiving Day. But let me encourage you tonight. Treat every day as if it's Thanksgiving Day. Because in Christ, it is. Let's pray.